high stakey to breaking down the middle. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. It's just after 12 noon and we're going to begin the show and spend a lot of time on this show in a little different way. Uh, if you haven't heard, a legendary broadcaster, uh, newspaper man and personality in our city, John Short has passed away. So we begin by saying uh, that we uh, wish the best for his family, and we're thinking about Michael and his entire family. Uh, John Short was a legend. He cut a major swath for media, and he worked with the Edmonton Oilers, and I knew him and considered him a friend, and I know a lot of you feel the same way. John was an uh, interesting teenager, an interesting young adult. Uh, he got a job at Canadian Press I believe in his 20s and worked there for a long time. Uh, he uh, purchased a, a local newspaper. I'm going to say, I know it's Lower Mainland, around Mission, Abbotsford, Maple Ridge area. And I don't remember the name of it, and I apologize for that. But he poured his heart into that. And when he arrived in Edmonton, he worked for the Edmonton Oilers uh, for a time. And actually was the man who met Eddie Mio, Peter Driscoll, and Wayne Gretzky at the airport when they flew uh, from Indianapolis, and then they, you know, found out if they were flying to Winnipeg or to Edmonton, they flew to Edmonton, and uh, John would regale his listeners uh, with stories about that. He was a a great writer, not just of the things that are the front page, but he was a great writer and broadcaster who knew the power of amateur sport and brought it to the fore. He was a boxer as a child. He was a boxer as a as a media guy, and he loved to talk about the fight game on his show and would often bring guys like Scotty Olson or Willie DeWitt or that group uh, into his, into his uh, uh, program live. And I was one of the guys who would have the, the, the guests wander up. And I met a lot of Edmonton Oilers. I met uh, Hugh Campbell, Rick Campbell, a lot of CFL uh, legends, Dave Finnell uh, through John Short because they would come to see John and be on his show And so we had an opportunity to meet a lot of interesting people. John himself was a a larger-than-life figure, a gregarious man, a very generous man. I can't tell you how many lunches he bought me because it's just too large a number. Uh, But I I enjoyed his company and he mine. And over many years, we stayed in touch and we talked at length. Uh, John had, I'm going to say, five farewell John um, either roasts or dinners over the year that I attended because whenever he left somewhere, there was the thought that he would retire and he never really did. He was a guy who loved the business so much. He was a great writer. And he wrote in a time when for me, and I know a lot of people who are uh, listening now will remember some of these names, we were gifted with so many great sports people in our city, not just great teams with the Eskimos or the Oilers or you know, the, the uh, uh, University of Alberta Golden Bears, uh, basketball and hockey, but really the personalities. And, and it was, you know, Al McCann and Brian Hall and writers like Terry Jones and Jim Matheson and uh, Cam Cole, and many of them are still with us and doing great productive work now. But John Short was a part of that, along with Barry Westgate, uh, Wes Montgomery, um, I'm probably missing names, Brian Hall, for crying out loud, who was another legendary individual uh, who broadcast for, for many, many years. And John was a guy who, if you knew him, you loved him. He was, he was as I mentioned earlier, larger than life and a, and a, and a very interesting figure. He was 
he would challenge you on your opinion about sports or anything else. Uh, he may, was very clear. You never, ever, ever didn't know where you stood with John. And he had an extremely sharp mind and a great memory. He, he would, when I got together with John, we could go from talk about Sid Howe and the Detroit Red Wings and a story that he knew about a trainer there, or he could talk about uh, amateur sports at any level. I mean, any level. And he could do it in a heartbeat. He just had a, a gigantic memory and he had a way of making all of the stories come to life. He had stories on everybody. I always would tell him to write a book. I, I say that to a lot of people, but uh, John really could have. He had the goods on lots, lots of folks b- behind and in front of uh, the action. So uh, I know so many names, Rob Tutal Matthews, uh, Bob Suter. There's a lot of guys uh, and girls and ladies and men in this town who knew John Short and loved him. And uh, among the other things that he was a part of, he he um, was was part of Michael Short becoming a very fine broadcaster and outdoorsman. And and um, I just want to spend a minute talking about the family and about John Short and about Michael Short and about what they've meant in our community. And so it's it's a tough day. And I know Jason Greger will have a lot of comments too because Jason worked for John and. It's a tough day, really, but it's also a day of celebration of somebody who, who had an impact on all of us. As a broadcaster, uh, John would would do a crossover with me at about quarter to six every evening. His show would start at six during the off season, or if the uh, the game was local, he'd do a pregame starting at six. So we'd do a crossover, and I loved doing it because he was su- such a great, great uh, individual to talk to or to throw things at, and he would come back with great responses. So um, it, I found out this morning, along with everybody else, uh, I read the uh, Facebook from Michael Short and via Marty Forbes, who uh, also worked with John. And so today we remember John Short as a, a great broadcaster and a great writer and somebody who had a fantastic career, but also as a fine person. And we're going to miss him. I saw him... Mm, I would say just before the pandemic, and I talked to him during the process of writing the book, which he encouraged me uh, to do. And I had a couple of, I called him up and I got a couple of quotes from him that are, that are in the book. And he was the kind of guy you could call up anytime and talk to. And just going through the, the, the litany of names that he would have touched over the years in the broadcast industry. I've, I've not done it justice and I apologize if I have forgotten names, but he was, he was a, a great man and a legend and we're going to miss him. And, um, there are a lot of people across this nation who are going to be paying homage to John short today, including Jason Greger who will be uh, coming up at two o'clock, uh, this afternoon. All right. So rest in peace, John short and our thoughts to John's family um, specifically to Michael, because I know him, and to everybody involved. Okay, so we're, we're going to dovetail. It's funny because the game is in Detroit, and John spent a lot of time there in his youth, uh, but the Edmonton Oilers play a uh, very good Detroit Red Wings team tonight in Motown, a good test for a team that has not played well the last couple of games, certainly the last one against Chicago. Uh, it's also the end of the era today in New England with the Patriots, and we'll talk about Bill Belichick today. 
Uh, you can text or call us at one 401 If you knew John or listened to John, I've already had a lot of people DM saying, man, I can't believe this. You know, John Short, uh, uh, you know, passing away reminds me of when I used to listen to him at night doing homework. I used to work... Um, I think I was, I think I called into John's show maybe the first night or second night he was ever on the air. I was cleaning, I had a cleaning job at Drico on the south side. And I would start, I think about nine, I believe his show was nine to midnight at the beginning. I'd start around nine and I'd clean and I, I didn't listen the first couple of nights he was on the air. So I called to request a song. I thought it was a, because it was a music station. And uh, he put me, the, the producer put me on the air. And he goes, hi, John Short. And I go, hi, can I hear a song? He goes, who is this? And I told him my name, <laughs> my actual real name. And he said, okay, young man, uh, we aren't playing music, but you can call later. Do you have a sports question? And I think I fumbled something about Alan Hamilton. But um, he, was, he was very gracious. And he always was that way. You know, I, I produced his show a few times. And you, you got used to, um, you know, Somebody would call in and they'd say, it's it's Barry from Camrose. I've got the midget uh, uh, AAA score or whatever. Uh, can I can I go on the air with John? And of course you could. John, John would absolutely be irate if you stopped anybody from going on the air with him. And um, he'd have things like, you know, like, like let's de- degree, agree to disagree or everybody's got a democratic right to be wrong. Good guy. John Short. Going to miss him. Um I, I know I'm going backtracking, but my mind is reeling from all the, the thoughts that I have about John Short today. But um, I think he'd like the fact that the Oilers are playing in Detroit. And I sure hope, you know, at some point in time, somebody, maybe Michael, writes down a few words about his life because uh, it is worth reading. He was a fantastic guy. You can reach us on Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick, corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. You can ask for details. Um, Bag Milk from Oilers Nation is going to join us at 1 o'clock. Helene St. James from Detroit Free Press coming up at 1240. We're going to talk about a pretty good Detroit Red Wings team. They have some things to tell that are good. They've won three in a row. They have a goalie with a 920 save percentage. The Oilers will place tonight. Uh, they're plus eight in goal differential. The team point percentage could, uh, point total could hit 90 for the first time since 2016. So we'll talk to Helene about maybe the playoffs and maybe being a buyer at the deadline. And it's been a while. I think Mr. Illich would have been alive by the t- last time they were, you know, really a, a, a true buyer. Uh, at the trade deadline. The lines are out. The only real change is uh, Calvin Pickard will start tonight based on what we know. The uh, healthy scratches will be Phil Kemp, the recall defenseman, and Sam Gagne still not getting into the lineup. And we'll see when he does. The the orders keep winning, so that might be part of it. But there may also be some lagging uh, worries about Sam Gagne's health. So it is, according to what we know today, it is... Adam Ernie in today, and Sam Gagne out as of right now. Things can change during a day, but that's what we have right now. So the the major world sports story today is Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, and it's it's kind of like I'm I am a Philadelphia Eagles fan. They played New England twice in two Super Bowls, lost one, won one, 
And the, the, the idea of life without Belichick must be uh, similar to the way people felt about life without Vince Lombardi when he finally said goodbye to football and no longer coached in the NFL. Belichick, I think, will end up somewhere. And, well, why don't we do this? Because he'll probably have some ideas. Why don't we bring out the the typing fiend, Declan Kruger, uh, and ask him, if you had to guess, where do you think Hoodie would go? Well, it's all going to depend on what he wants to do, right? I mean, he's 72 years old or 71 years old, but he's on the you know back half of his coaching career. He's accomplished everything there is to accomplish. He's a legend of legends. If he wants to continue coaching, there's going to be about, you know, 29, 30 teams that are going to reach out and try and get him. Does he want to do it? I don't know. What would make the most sense for him? I don't mind him in Tennessee. I think the culture fits well there because I think Mike Vrabel in his tenure with the Titans built a culture that was based off of his time with Bill Belichick. I think Bill Belichick could go there and do something uh, do something well. Washington was one that was very loosely linked to him with them firing their head coach and Ron Rivera. I'm not sure if that's exactly the ideal situation because he just left or parted ways with a rebuild in New England. I'm not sure if he wants to be part of that in Washington. Not to say that he wouldn't in Tennessee, but there's there's some semblance of a culture already being set there. What it comes down to is Belichick is the guy. There are very few coaches who can have their pick the litter. There are very few guys who can get on the phone and say, I'm coming, and the general manager, the owner, says, yes, you are. Bill Belichick is one of those guys on the strength of his resume. Wherever he wants to go, I think, is where he is going to end up. The question becomes, what does he see best for him? I think right now, based on what we've seen, that's Tennessee. Well, I think he'll go to a warm-weather city. Why wouldn't he, after all? (laughs) After all those games. I mean, he's deserved it after all this time. If he wants to go play in, or coach in warm weather, he deserves it. All those Foxborough winters can't be too comfortable on the old man's skin. Well, you know, I can say as an old man that, that you know, who drove to work today in, like, it was so damn cold. I'm telling you. I, I just, every time it's cold like this, I go, old man, why aren't you driving to the airport? And I always say, because I didn't, I, I didn't pack my trunks. But the truth is, I I love this gig too much. How many how many Super Bowls did that guy win anyway? He won six, wow. six Super Bowls. Yeah, my lord, not uh, not too shabby. Is that, is that as a is that as a head coach? That was as a head coach. Yes, no. yes. So so he is like the goat. I'm obviously a little bit younger. But in my opinion, yes, he is the coaching goat. And you know what? I'm actually going to take it a step further and say I don't know if there's too much debate. I think he's probably the undisputed coaching goat. So in not just my lifetime, in your lifetime, do you think anybody will exceed Belichick? Uh, Yeah, I I think, you know, statistically speaking, my lifetime is going to extend for a good fair number of decades here. I think in my time I will see that eclipsed. Um, but I don't know if you can find if you'll I think you may find someone who eclipses him in terms of straight championships. But I don't know if you'll find a guy who can scheme the same way he does. And I'll say that. Yeah. It, it's the the thing about him was that he there there you know, I think he I think he actually uh, one of the keys is that he never fell in love with anybody, especially running backs. And so uh, he, 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 did, he did a lot 
of the same things that Branch Rickey did. And Branch Rickey was brilliant at never falling in love with a player. When he went to Pittsburgh, he traded Ralph Kiner, who was the home run champion. And they said, why did you trade Ralph Kiner? And he said, well, we finished last with him. We can probably finish last without him. That's the kind of mentality that uh, Belichick... Like, did he have a running back for like seven years? I don't think he did. No, his longest tenured one and his best one off the top... Well, I mean, Kevin Falk was there forever, but his best one was probably Corey Dillon after Corey Dillon came over from the Bengals. Lawrence Maroney was okay, but for the most part, it was a few years, four years, five years, whatever it may be with a running back. In their fourth, fifth year, running back by committee, and then new one in, old one out. And he, look, what he, what he did was he wasn't going to pay them. Like he wasn't going to overpay the position. Which you know, yeah. listen, I'm the first guy to tell you I want all players to get as much money as they can. Go get paid, young man. But if I'm an NHL, if NFL GM, I'm never paying a running back. And Bill Belichick lived by that. He built his offense around obviously on the strength of Tom Brady and how Tom Brady could get all his receivers involved. And he said, "Hey, we don't need to pay big money to a running back. We just need someone who can average 3.5 yards of carry on second and short when we need him." And that was how they built their offense. Did it incredibly well, incredibly successfully, and uh, no big money paid to running backs. Yeah, but we will definitely talk about. We're working on a guess, but even if we don't, we'll spend a lot of time talking about Bill Belichick today. LT, if Gagne is healthy and not playing over Brown, color me confused. Brown offers absolutely nothing. He's literally afraid to hit the opposing player, Steve, in a truck. I don't think it's, I don't think it's Brown who would come out, to be honest with you, but um, we'll see. Brown, Brown's numbers have gotten better uh, in terms of possession. Uh, his expected goals right now is over 51%. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know that Gagne is injured. But I know that, that coaches often don't like to change out rosters that have won. And that may be part of it, too. And so the other thing is, you know, th- there's been lots of success a- among the guys playing at the lower levels. Like uh, Adam Ernie in the last 15 games has like 57% goal shared five on five. It's pretty good. And Connor Brown is at 44%, and that's way better than it was. I'd like to see Sam Gagne back in because I think he's he's a guy who can give you offense in the bottom six. He, he, he does not necessarily have to play with the big gun centers to create offense, and that's why I think he's a, you know, he's a huge advantage to the Oilers. But they're not playing him again tonight based on what we know. Kyle Shanahan could get there, young and brilliant from Ken. Yeah. I, I do think Kyle Shanahan is young and brilliant, but he's got to get one first before we start talking about him surpassing Belichick. I mean, what, he's been a coach for eight years, one Super Bowl appearance? Wow. Three NFC Championship games? I mean, listen, he's We're a great, a little brilliant, edge today. great brilliant head coach. I like him a lot, but, you know, we got to get one first, and then yeah. we'll start talking about six. Yeah. You know, I just realized that it's 1220, and I've talked right through a break, so why don't we take one? Helene St. James on the way later this hour from Detroit Free Press. We'll talk about the Red Wing Oiler game tonight. On the way, hockey rumors. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Alan Mitchell, Declan Kruger. Hanging out until 2 o'clock today when Jason Greger hits the radio. Joined now by Helene St. James from Detroit Free Press, author of On the Clock Detroit Red Wings at the NHL Draft and the Big 50 Detroit Red Wings. Uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. My pleasure. So I'm looking at the standings, 
and I do have, you know, hockey DB and hockey reference, and I I look at the Red Wings have won three in a row, have a goalie with a 920 save percentage. They're plus eight overall in goal differential. The team point total could hit 90 for the first time since 2016. So I imagine Red Wings fans are very happy, and probably the Red Wings themselves, about the progress made and possible playoffs. It's got to be a good feeling for Detroit Red Wings fans right now. It is, although, you know, they, they had such a tough time in December. They only won, I think, three times between December 1st and the Christmas break that uh, those hopes have kind of, there's a little bit of concern. You know, they're only one point out of a wild card spot in the East, but there's four teams ahead of them, and they have a very challenging schedule the rest of January, all but one team is already in the playoff picture. So there's, you know, there, there's cautious excitement, I would say, in the city. Uh, those not uh, wrapped up in the Detroit Lions, that, that's all uh, Michigan and Detroit's <laughs> about right now. But uh, still paying attention to the Red Wings, you know, there, there's excitement and, and certainly hope that they can, you know, end a seven-year playoff drought. But, um, you know, there, there's also, I mean, they're relying entirely on Alex Lyon right now for, for goaltending, and he's going to need a break at some point, probably as soon as Sunday in Toronto. So, uh, so there's there's some concern as well for sure. Uh, the uh, one of the, the the players who who spends a lot of time playing the the toughs is uh, Jake Wallman, uh, and, and I, I, is he playing tonight? As of, uh, I think he's a game time decision. He was feeling under the weather yesterday. Uh, showed up and was promptly sent home. Um, was was um, just feeling under the weather is what Derek said. So. Uh, I think that you know that that's to be determined. But they they're pretty. I mean that that's really one of the remarkable stories. They've been for the most part very healthy on on defense and have seven veteran defensemen. They all feel comfortable playing. So I think that's that's less of a. a I mean certainly they would prefer to have them in the lineup, but they feel pretty good about their depth on defense, uh, even if one of the guys has to be out for a game. So many storylines around this uh, uh, Detroit team. Patrick Kane. Uh, I remember when when people were saying, "Well, don't expect too much out of the box." Well, okay, uh, it, it, you know he he's been a productive player since arriving there. He's been fantastic. I'm, you know, take out the surgery he had. You know, he's a 35 year old coming in near mid season. Everybody else is up to speed. He hasn't played since June 1st in, in six months. It's just been remarkable. Uh, you know, but you watch him. He he's such a smart player. You know and as somebody who goes back my first year was when the Russian five were playing, who appreciates a player who doesn't want to give up the puck and would rather retreat than just dump it in. He He's so much fun to watch. And I think maybe sometimes the challenge is having, you know, players who understand what he's trying to do uh, on his line mates. But, but with Alex Dabrinkat, you know, they certainly have a, have, have a great combination there with him, but, but he's just been an absolute joy to watch. And um, it's a little too bad because he joined the lineup and, Comper was out. Larkin was out. Uh, they just they they couldn't win with him in the lineup. All of a sudden, you know, and it's not fair because he he was he I think he's had a point a game or something. He's been an absolutely terrific signing. The um, for, based on what I saw and I, I I had a look at it. It looked like J T. Comfer and Dylan Larkin have played with Kane and Dembrinkit. Who's the current center for that line? It's Comfer because uh, then that allows them to have Dylan Larkin with Lucas Raymond, which is a pairing that they really, really like, and, and David Perron on, on the other wing there. So 
Um, and, and Comfer, you know, he, he's a good, uh, not that, I mean, Dylan is also very responsible defensively, but they like that mix of having Comfer on that line. They did try Dylan for a while. I think they're, they're comfortable, you know, either which way, but they like uh, Dylan and Lucas together, and, and that makes it a good fit then for to have uh, Comfer with um, Lee Kane and Debrinkat. Elaine St. James, our guest from Detroit Free Press. Uh, Edmonton Oilers fans, since he left, have talked nonstop about Clem Costin and about, you know, what a mistake it was to let him go. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, up and down injury issues uh, with the Red Wings. How has he looked and, and do the, is there a place for him uh, in, uh, in this roster? It's interesting. I mean, Derek suggested he may be available this weekend. Uh, if there are no injuries, I'm not quite sure who you pull because Clem hasn't been uh, on either special team or killing penalties for them and, and Christian Fisher, who might be the most obvious choice, uh, does kill penalties and, and has been a key part of the penalty kill has been really, really good of late. Clem, uh, unfortunately, has not shown quite what he did in Edmonton um, beyond, I mean, place on the fourth line, so probably have, you know, uh, reasonable expectations of what he could do offensively. But the, the physicality just hasn't really been there. He's been in one fight against uh, Gwibans in, uh, in Columbus. That was uh, he challenged uh, Glubons and challenged Costin after a hit on uh, Stillinger. So beyond that, um, you know, they just they, he just has not he just has not shown what he did in in uh, in Edmonton, unfortunately, uh, so far in his time in Detroit. And yeah, then he's missed um, he missed a significant number of games or about a month uh, after uh, Rako Gudas ran into him for uh, running Anaheim's goalie. Yeah, Raku Gudis has been on a tear this year. Um, one of the players I always pay attention to with the Red Wings, I've always been fascinated with him because a big man, if he can play, highly valuable. Michael Rasmussen, his goal share looks good. His scoring's down a little bit at five on five. What kind of a year is he having? He's really he, he's he's been a lot more noticeable of late. I, I thought he had kind of a, a quiet start, and they do like they like him with. Andrew Kopp, and that's probably what you're going to see tonight, uh, along with Fisher, used uh, as much as the wings can against uh, McDavid. You know, the, um, but but Rasmussen, he and he's very good in front. Of, he's good at going to the front of the net. So he's he's kind of a a quiet player of, uh, in, in a lot of ways, but but really has come into his own in, in many respects. He had a very good season last year, and then unfortunately he suffered an injury and such. But He's a good, valuable player. They like that they can put him pretty much anywhere in the top six if they need more of a physical presence in a checking line or a checking presence. So, and also, you know, good mostly on the on the third line and killing penalties. So, so yeah, he, he's he's a, he's a good fit for them. Good kind of low key fit for them. What what kind of year is Moritz Sider having? I know that that you know every time I watch him, I can't stop watching him. He's a he's a pretty impressive athlete. What kind of year is he having? He's, you know, they they ask a lot of him as they as they often point out, and I think he's he's having a good year, and you know he's he's learning too, like how to sometimes take some temperamental penalties. I think his teams try to get under his skin, even though he's a big guy. But you know, he's just he he's very a good amount of confidence in in a positive way in himself, very self assured. So he's he's absolutely, I mean, he he's a, a huge building block for them. So. Um, so he, he he's he's absolutely. I mean, he, he's their anchor on de, on defense and does such a good job with. You know, I mean, they they ask him to play in all key areas and against the opposing top line. So to that 
being, you know, 22 or so, he, he's, he's doing, I, I think, having a, a very good season. By eye, it seems like Jeff Petrie is playing maybe a little less uh, recently. Um, I, I know that he played uh, against Anaheim and L.A. And, and San Jose. No, he didn't play against San Jose. What kind of year is he having, Jeff Petrie? Yeah, he, he's, he's been uh, kind of part of the third-pairing rotation along with Olimata, um, and, and Justin Hall, uh, they've kind of rotated between needing one of those guys to set. And you know, Petrie, you know, he, he's been good on the penalty kill too, and, and has helped out, out on the player on the power play. So I think uh, overall they're pleased with him. He missed. He had. I don't know if you caught it. He and Christian Fisher collided yeah. uh, that last game before Christmas, head to head. It looked very, uh, really nasty. But uh, both fortunately have come back since for the wings. But you know, Petrie, Petrie has you know again added. I mean. It's kind of interesting. After last season, Steve Eisman went with a more veteran look on on defense, and, and Petrie was part of that. I think they just figured it uh, as, I mean, I think half the league is in on his salary or something by now, that his salary is low enough that, that for what he can bring uh, on special teams and such, he, he's been uh, a really good addition for them. It's it's too early, but I, I just have to ask you, Helene, because I, I... – there, we're going to be talking about it soon here because it is coming up. It, it's it's been a while, I think, and you've covered them a long time since the Red Wings were a, a buyer at the deadline. And I I'm assuming that it's to be determined because, as you said earlier, they're they're you know they're in the race, but they're not you know they're they're it's not a certain thing. Uh, it's been a while, right? And do you think they'll end up being a buyer or or too soon to know? You know, I have a. I mean, Steve would really have to believe that they could do something in order to be a buyer unless, unless you know, I mean, if there's an injury and they, they need to plug a hole with a veteran or something. But I don't see them being one of those buyers, you know, like Boston last year with Tyler Bertuzzi or something where, because I mean, they can't afford to give up what it costs to get a, a difference maker of a player, you know, it, it seems that are at the top of their divisions and, and really think they can go for it. Uh, I, I think maybe my guess is more like he just stands pat where Steve does at the trade deadline if they're in position instead of what he did last year. You know, they had those terrible outings against Ottawa, and by the end of the week, four or five players were out the door. So um, maybe maybe something small as far as buying, but I just I don't see – I don't think they're in a position to make a splash. And, you know, yeah, exactly. They, they still – there's, what, a month and a half to go, and – a tough, tough schedule for them just the rest of this month. Thanks so much for this. Appreciate it. Enjoy the game. Yes, my pleasure. Anytime. All right. Helene St. James, Detroit Free Press. I've interviewed her a few times, and she's extremely knowledgeable, very kind and courteous. I love talking to her. Very bright human being. And she wrote on the clock the Detroit version of the book. got to say, this is one of those days where you, you sort of uh, pause in your life. Um, if you missed the story, um, moved earlier today, uh, John Short passed away. Um, legendary broadcaster. Almost everybody that you will talk to today in the industry either worked with John or, or knew him or was in some way impacted by him. And he goes back a long way to, you know, really before the orders arrived in the NHL. And, I mean, he worked literally everywhere um, in this city. Um, 
he would have worked for the Journal. He would have worked for yeah, I know he worked for Canadian Press in Toronto. He worked for the Journal, um, the Sun. I mean, he he worked for CFRN, the Good Sports, for years and years and years. And then uh, I believe he went to CFCW uh, when the rights went over there. And then he, he sort of started his own independent, um, and it worked because he of the power of him. You know, the um, the guy was amazing. He's a Canadian Sports Hall of Fame selection committee, uh, obviously a member of the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame, and just a big-time mover and shaker in our city for many, many decades. And uh, we lost him today, and uh, we're thinking about him. Okay. On the way, we're going to talk about some hockey rumors, maybe involving the Oilers. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown. On Sports 1440, driven by Wolf GMC Buick, hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. Pete Carroll fired. Nick Saban retired. Bill Belichick leaving New England. Yeah. I mean, you we could fill this rumors segment just with football coaching rumors. Where's Lane Kiffin? Ole Miss. And is he coming back or head coach will miss? I would expect him to be on the short list, but I, I think for he was an assistant at Alabama under Nick Saban. I think he knows it is for him more than anyone. If you're not winning twelve games a year, you're going to be out of there in three years, and you're going to be ostracized. So and maybe I'm not he would sure. not go take the heat. I I'm not oh, sure he wants that. Yeah. Interesting wrinkle. Yeah. That's good. See, this is why you will eventually be host of the show. Well, I'm, I mean, I'll only be able to do college football rumors. But if we can do six segments of that, I'll be okay. <laughs> uh, the, earlier, we, I was in a poignant moment about John Short, so I didn't mention it. But you type like Jimmy Page plays the guitar. I mean, it is out of sight. Like, are you... You should be legendary at broadcast schools. Like you're saying it's almost impressive, hey? Well, I'm saying that that it's – I think we've established now on this show that if you're not typing, people aren't, you know, they're not comfortable. They're it's, out of their comfort zone. Right. It's something – something's wrong with the show if I'm not going at it on the keyboard. A little bit. It adds a little bit of a comfort to know things are going as they're supposed to when I'm totally. typing away. Totally. Um, the Winnipeg Jets have a few things. Kevin Shevel day off. I uh, had a media avail, and Murat Hatesh, who's a friend of the show and a good man, he, he commented on the fact that there was a little more oomph to Shevel Dayoff's uh, conversation today with the media. Philly Anola, uh, who's a really good defenseman, uh, has recovered uh, well enough from the ankle injury uh, that started out that, that wiped out the start of his season. He's ready to return to the ice, and that means uh, he'll be activated off IR and sent to the AHL. Um, he also mentioned Brendan Dillon maybe getting a new contract, which is interesting, uh, and Dylan DeMolo uh, maybe getting a, a at least the, the the beginnings of a conversation about a new contract. I, I think that if you're a, a Winnipeg Jets fan, and including both incarnations, the one that's in Arizona and the current one now, you would have to feel like this is one of the high watermarks. And the last time the Jets won anything, it was an Avco Cup. And that would have been 79, I believe, the last one they won. So, you know, the Jets were a really interesting NHL team. And I love Dale Howarchuk, but they didn't really go far 
mostly because of the flames and especially because of the Oilers. So right now, I think that you could make a case that the Jets are one of, say, two or three teams that you'd favor to win the Stanley Cup. I would I would definitely say the New York Rangers are there. Uh, I think the Jets are there. And I think that, and you know, people are going to come over the top on me here. But I think based on where they are right now. I mean, I know the Vancouver Canucks are running a little bit of luck here, but they're also very good, and they have high, high, high-end players. I don't know. What do you think about the Canucks? Uh, Justin Kirkland has been sent back to the AHL Tucson Roadrunners. He played in a couple of games with him. I always cheer for him. He's a really smart AHL player. Um there's talk now that the William Nylander contract, uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman wrote a really good piece at The Athletic this week about what it means for Leon Dreisaitl. Now talk of Sam Reinhardt and what it means to him. And Frank Saravalli says that uh, he's been told that discussions are ongoing with a pan- contract uh, for uh, Reinhardt as a possibility. Um this is kind of a tough story because it's a player that I tracked and I, I, I predicted to be one of the most productive players out of his draft when he was drafted. Jordan Dumay, Columbus Blue Jackets prospect, is going over, undergoing double hip surgery. This is a, not an easy thing. Uh, Jessa Pogliarvi recently went under that same kind of procedure. So uh, an up-and-coming promising young player in the Columbus system who is is at this point in time in, in something of a career crossroads, that's not an easy thing to do. By the way, Jessica Yarvey has played two games with uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and has just one PIM, or two PIMs, but one penalty. And we'll see how it goes. I'm sure cheering for him. I hope he does well. The Edmonton Oilers today are, tonight, are going to play Calvin Pickard in goal. And the reason that's important is... This is a chance for him to solve the Oilers' problem and really establish himself as an NHL goaltender. Pickard is not an old man. He's certainly younger than Dwayne Rolison was when he came here. And sometimes a player at his point in a career can, you know, catch a wave and end up sitting on top of the world to borrow a line from the Beach Boys. But Pickard is 31 and he has 122 games of NHL experience. He's played six games with the Oilers this year, has a 9.04 save percentage. And they're looking for a guy. Like, if he if he can hit 9.05, I don't think the Oilers would be, you know, I, I think they, they might make a move, but they would certainly have him as, as a guy that they would have confidence in. Right now, I think Stuart Skinner's won the number one job, and I think Stuart Skinner has put to rest the idea that they have to go out and get a starter. He's played so well. He's got a 9.29 save percentage since November 25th and a 9.35 on 5 save percentage since November 25th. Those are really good numbers. And the Oilers have been top three or four in most categories, since uh, goaltending-wise, since November 25th. So things are looking a little bit better. Have you ever had a hard time pronouncing a name? Oh, yeah, frequently. I'll t- I you know I watch a lot of UFC. That's well documented, and there's some Russian names, some Eastern European names that yeah. I mean, you just got to kind of fumble your way through. So, like Victor Faust almost ended my broadcast career. Yes, I had a hard time with that. 
it just I, I got derailed and my brain parts the weren't the neurons didn't fire correctly. Tampa Bay is called uh, up uh, Gage Conkels. Do you know how to pronounce his name? Well, I probably would have just done it phonetically, Conkels. I'm sure that's not it. Right? Yeah. No, there's no chance. <laughs> you know what's another one? I always used to say Georgiev, not Georgiev, out in Colorado. Yeah, I that was don't, another I, one that got me. I, I feel like I've I've given up on that whole thing. It's like um, there was a there was a few years there when I was in my 20s and 30s that um, I tried to part my hair on the left side because I thought it made me look cooler. And then after a while, I just I didn't know which side to do, and then I forgot which side was the cooler. But now it just goes where it goes. Now, forgive me for being naive, but what does that have to do with pronouncing names? It's the, the, the process of me pronouncing names has gone the same way. Okay. I used to try Got to it. do it, and then I couldn't remember what the right way was, and now it just goes the way it goes. If I, if I say Victor Faust and it's right, then good. If not, I'm just going. Dealey Stan says, I worked with Bob Stedward, John Dunleavy, and John Short's wife at the 1983 University Games. When John dropped by, he was always kind and very interesting. He will be remembered. And yes, he will. And I thank you very much for that, Dealey Stan. If the Flames lose to Arizona tonight, I'm thinking this helps decide how to deal with free agents getting assets, rebuilding. I think they're there now, but we'll see. We have two superhumans, but I think the Canucks have more skill depth than the Oilers. They're fast also. Great point. Just to circle back to the Flames really quickly, mm-hmm. how do you even begin to rebuild with Jonathan Huberto's contract there staring well, you in the face? You know, you can't buy it out because it would be until, like, uh, Methuselah lived more years than it would take to get <laughs> yep. rid of that contract. Yes. So I don't think you can do that. I really don't. you got to just play him or trade him to... I don't know. What's the new Arizona? Because Arizona's con- con- competitive right now. Uh, Bad Captain says, just a note on John Short, I was about 9 or 10. After listening for a while, I wanted to call in. When I got through, I'm pretty sure I asked someone a question a 9-year-old would ask. Mr. Short was so patient with me and understanding, knowing this was a kid, and I was so appreciative. Rest in peace, Mr. Short. He was great that way. He really was. He truly was a guy who could be a true gentleman on the air and still be entertaining enough that you would tune in. He was wildly entertaining. He's a funny guy. I, I remember uh, Too Tall Matthews, all, when, he was, when he would do the broadcasts at the racetrack, Too Tall would be back at the radio station trying to figure out a way to get the microphone not to pick up the dishes in the background. And... <laughs> It's a radio thing. I mean, nobody ever really thinks about it. And it wasn't so distracting that you could change it or needed to change it. But I remember because John was a John was a great broadcaster, but like me, he was not a technical guy from that point of view, right? So anyway, little inside radio there for you. See, English is not a language. Well, it kind of is. It just borrows from everything and makes no sense. Jets beat the Otters when they won the Yavco Cup. Yes, they did. Your candy says, I don't hear typing. What's wrong? I know. I think it raises the anxiety level when he isn't typing. This is Mark. Hello, LT, and everyone at 1440. Mr. Short was my introduction to sports radio excellence. I want to send my condolences to his family and to you, his friends and colleagues who carry the torch from Mark. Well, I will tell you that in this building, 
I worked with John, not for him, but Jason Greger was, uh, and I think Dustin Nielsen tweeted out, uh, lots of people in lots of markets started with John Short. And he actually, you know, John had such a wide swath as a broadcaster that when I, years later, like, I don't know when he finished on radio, but in 2010, when I did the Nation radio show over at the old station, I called Kirk Ludicky, who would be known to Edmonton listeners because of John Short. So that's how much influence he had, where I could I could call up a guest and say, hey, it's Edmonton Radio, can you do Edmonton Radio? Ludicky would come on, and people would go, oh my God, I know that guy, because of John Short. This is cruel. This is cruel. Al, Maxim... Siplikov is a Russian free agent linked to the few NHL teams. Should the Oilers be one of them? I just, I pronounced his name. That's, I'm not going any farther than that. I'm happy that I got there. This comes from James. I'm deeply saddened by the loss of Edmonton sports icon John Short. His tagline was any sport, any time. And he could talk about cricket match in South Africa to a heavyweight championship and everything in between. James, you're absolutely right. He was amazing. And what he taught me and Jason and everybody else is that Sports, no matter where it's played, at a local level is important. And I think sometimes because of the power of the Edmonton Oilers, we forget that. But John never did, and credit for that. I got to stay with John four nights in Flin Flon for a National Junior A Championship in 01. He was my idol before that. If anything, I liked him more afterwards. Such a great man. And that comes from Bones. I'm, I'm sorry, John Galley, I missed that question about Sebastian Cosa, but I'll get it next time, I promised. He lied. Okay, on the way, bag milk, and we're going to talk, no matter if we get a guest or not, we're going to talk about uh, uh, Bill Belichick because he deserves his own segment today. And, of course, we'll have more on John Short. And really appreciate your texts that are coming in at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Send them in, and we will definitely read them today. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. The Sports 1440 Update. And for your Sports 1440 Update, brought to you by Tommy Guns. The unique lounges, casual setting makes it easier for anyone to rock a new look and get the best hot towel shave experience in Canada. Book now at TommyGuns.com. A sad day in Edmonton sports media as legendary broadcaster John Short has passed away. According to his son Michael, in a social media post, Short passed away this morning at the Royal Alexandra Hospital. John had a deep impact on the sports community in Edmonton and will be greatly missed. Thirteen games in the NHL tonight, including, of course, the Edmonton Oilers in action in Detroit. Puck drop for that one at 5 p.m. and it will be Calvin Pickard getting the start tonight. News around the NHL is Buffalo Sabres leading goal scorer Jeff Skinner is out indefinitely with an upper body injury, while Captain Kyle Pozo will return to the lineup in place of Jeff Skinner. NFL news is Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots are parting ways after 24 seasons together. That included six Super Bowl titles. NCAA news is following the retirement of Alabama's legendary coach Nick Saban, Oregon coach Dan Lanning, who had been mentioned as a potential target for Alabama's coaching vacancy, says he will remain with the Oregon Ducks. 
Five games in the NBA today, including the Brooklyn Nets and Cleveland Cavaliers that are in action right now. That one currently sits at 45 to 30 for the Cleveland Cavaliers with just over four minutes to go in the second quarter. Later tonight, it is the Celtics in Milwaukee, the Blazers in OKC, the Knicks in Dallas, and the Suns in LA against the Lakers. The NBA has fined Toronto coach Darko Ryakovic $25,000 for publicly criticizing the officiating following the Raptors' loss to the Lakers on Tuesday. And finally, just one game in the AJHL tonight. Drumheller and Cam Rose and puck drop for that one is at 7 p.m. I'm Declan Kruger. This has been a Sports 1440 Update.